loose in the building right now. I'm gonna give you a little testimony. Brother Brian Gomez, where you at? some unique health challenges for quite some time and I've noticed as he has as well that it's a cycle that every time it looks like everything's going just perfect there is a storm of affliction that hits and his health begins to be challenged and it starts affecting and so you know what this last round when the when it hit him I watched brother Brian this time something clicked on the inside of him and he said oh no I recognize exactly what this is and devil you may have got me the first time you may have got me the second time Not one company, not two, I don't even know how many there is now. Five companies that he started. And he had to take everything that he had, Sister Tabitha. He had to get rid of all the security. He had to lay it all on the table. And the moment he did, I can't tell it like he can, but against every obstacle and odds, they called him up on the phone and said, we don't know what happened, uh, but all we got to say uh, is your general contractor's license uh, has been approved. Uh, 
Oh, somebody that understands what favor looks like ought to shout right. You see, what they didn't know is that while he was filling out the paperwork and doing all the tests, he was in posture under a prophetic word called the year of the open door. And when he was operating under obedience to the word of God, there is no door that God opens that any man can shut. And I'm going to tell you furthermore, not only did God open that door, but from the moment that happened, can I just share just the windows of heaven are opening up over the business. I said the windows of heaven are all. He came into my office the other day and said, Bishop, I can't even keep up. It's phone calls coming from the east and the west. And I didn't even, you know why? Because the word says that his blessing will overtake His blessing will overtake you. I came to tell somebody in the building there's a word in this house. It's all. him one more time and I'm going to get out of the way. If you're still preparing an offering, go ahead and bring it. This is your miracle offering this morning. Now, I'm going to tell you something God spoke to me yesterday. Yesterday afternoon, I was sitting listening to some preaching and there was a word from God that came to me. But I feel like this morning I need to share it with the whole church. As the preacher was preaching, he was admonishing me, whatever you do, don't stop running the ball. God gave you a plan and he gave you directions. Keep on running the ball. And here's what he said. He said, it's like a quarterback. Some of you might understand this. When a quarterback gives the play, he tells the running back, I want you to leave this point and you're going to run down the field so many steps and then you're going to turn and you're going to fake like you're going to the left. But really, I want you to go right. I want you to go 10 more yards. I want you to turn around and when you get there, the ball will meet you there. That running back has to run down the field, never looking back, never looking up, but he's running on a word from the leader that said if you get to the right destination when you get there and turn around the ball will be waiting for you and the man of God said keep running because the ball is in the air I came to tell somebody you better keep on pressing you better keep on running because the ball is in the air your promise is on the way. Your miracle. I need about 300 people to shout because it's all ready.
Shout neighbor, tell them neighbor, tell them remain in a posture of expectancy. Remain in a posture of expectancy. Stay ready. Are you excited about what we feel in this building this morning? One more time, clap your hands and give God a great big praise. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Remain standing if you would all over this house. If you're not standing, join me on your feet as we prepare for the word of the Lord to enter into this house today. I want to take a brief moment to say what a privilege it is to have all of our guests in the house of the Lord. Would you help me one more time, Rock Church? Lend me your hands and your voice. Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests that are in the house of the Lord today. To all of those who are streaming online, we're glad you tuned in this morning. If you are here for the very first time, you should have received a VIP invitation card. And if you're here for the first time and did not receive one, if you would just quickly hold your hand in the air, one of our staff members will quickly bring one to you. But that is an invitation to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift we'd like to give you just to let you know how important you are to us and what a privilege it was to have you in the house of the Lord. Amen, church? Amen. And that will be immediately following the service. I want to again say a great big congratulations to the Hammond family on the arrival of little baby Ian. Come on, let's thank God for him today. We are praying that that they are released from the hospital today and, uh, and that everything is good. Amen, somebody. Amen. How many of you were blessed on Tuesday night by the ministry of Pastor Parker? Amen. It is such a privilege to have brother and sister Parker back in the house of the Lord with us today all the way from Bonner Springs, Kansas. Would you help me put your hands together one more time and welcome them? And they brought little Miss Claire Bear with them. I think she probably went to Sunday school. Hey, mama said amen. And then they brought my little J buddy, little John John LaRoe. And uh, he's, he is so, he's out, he's knocked out in the Holy Ghost right now. He got slain in the spirit a few minutes ago. But we're so honored that they're here on a weekend with us. And uh, as I mentioned earlier this week, God is using this young family in such a powerful way in Bonner Springs, Kansas. And uh, God is absolutely turning that church inside out with revival and growth and progress 
And uh, we're grateful for the Lord connecting us, and we're honored that they're here this weekend. I don't know about you, but I came with expectation in my spirit for what God is going to do in this place. You might leave empty-handed, but I promise you I'm not leaving without something from God in this place. Is there anybody expecting God to do something great in your life this morning? Uh, would you one more time put your hands together uh, if you've got faith in your spirit and give God a praise as he comes to preach the word of the Lord. Come on, Brother Hunt. Oh, well, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, the rest of you. How are you this morning? Are you thankful to be in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. We are honored to be here this morning. We feel very privileged that your great bishop would invite us to spend a few days with the Rock Church. And you already know this, but if there's anybody online or it's your first time here, let me encourage you. Nobody does it like the Rock Church does it. And we're, we're indebted to them for their kindness. We're indebted to this church. Uh, it's a friendly church. It's a happy church. Where else would you want to be on a Sunday morning? Man, we know we're certainly happy to be here. I want to give honor uh, to your first lady. What a wonderful lady she is. And I'd be remiss if I didn't give honor to the church this morning. Hallelujah. It'd be quiet in here if it wasn't for you. Amen. Thank you for your response, your love for the word of God, your love for dancing and worshiping God. But most of all, thank you for your love that you give and you show to your bishop and your first lady. It does my heart good to see it. I'm going to do my best to quickly get out of your way uh, and let you go eat this morning. But I want to give honor to my church, uh, the First Pentecostal Church. Uh, they should be in service, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of them weren't sneaking out listening right now. They, uh, nobody asked me if we did a good job or not. They was just asking if it was going to be online this, this time around. And uh, we miss them. We've been gone for 10 days, a lot longer than we have ever been before. We've not been on a vacation in the three years we've been pastoring. And so we're thankful for the chance to get away, have fun, and spend some time with the Rock Church. Man, are you glad to be here this morning? Would you put your hands together? Let's give him thanks one more time for all that he's done already this morning. Hallelujah. If you've got your Bibles... We're going to go to the book of Joshua, chapter number 24. Uh, thankful that my wife and my babies are here. I'll let you in on a little secret. John John doesn't sleep when Bishop's preaching, but he sleeps when Daddy's preaching. Now, I don't know what that means. I'll let you figure that out. Joshua 24 and verse 14, Joshua's coming to the end of his days. They've made it into a good land through the wilderness, 
over the river and into the promised land. And he begins to charge the people of God. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. And then, after charging them, he pauses as if to consider it and puts an and there. And he says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you would serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And I want to point something out very quickly. Joshua understood a principle that me, you and I understand this morning. Everybody is going to serve somebody. He doesn't tell them, you just go out here and do what you want to do. He knows that if they're not with him serving God, they've either went back to serve the past or they found something new to experiment with. And he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want to end this text with something that I love in verse 16. And the people answered. Turn and tell somebody, and the people answered. We know what they said. They said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord for he is our God. If you'll lay your Bibles down, let's close our eyes and let's talk to the king this morning. God, we ask you to anoint our lips, our minds, our hearts. Give us ears to hear. Lord, we pray that the word of the Lord would fall on fertile ground. God, we pray right now that you'd help us to receive the word. Lord, that you'd help a young man that's itinerant, inexperienced, and woefully insufficient. Lord, to preach the word of the Lord this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. If you're going to help me, would you clap your hands before you're seated? Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. We know that they, this generation who Joshua was speaking to was not the same generation that came out of Egypt. We know the reason why is that there was a response problem out of the first generation that came out of Egypt. Moses was able to get them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of them. And there's things that your man of God will do. He'll go to any lengths to pull you out of the world and the mess that you're in, but he can't do anything about what you allow to hang around on the inside of you. 
There are choices that have to be made. Some are hard, some are easy, some are fun, some are sad. Uh, I've pastored long enough to know that sometimes you got to let friends go. Sometimes you got to let old contacts and boyfriends and girlfriends go. I'd never heard the word toxic relationship till I started pastoring. And then I've heard it all I want to hear it. There's sometimes you got to let that stuff go. There's times that you're either going to let it go or you're going to let it consume you. And what you find here is people who had stuck close to the ark, people who had learned from the transgressions of their parents, people who had followed their man of God all the way into the promises of God. They've watched great miracles. They've watched great promises come to pass. And now he is challenging them to make a choice about who they were going to serve. Now, you could say that the first generation knew nothing but wilderness and troubles, and that's why they got to the point that they were struggling and having a hard time. You, you, could, say, you, you could say that that first generation had too much Egypt, Egyptian culture and Egyptian way in them, and, and that's why they were in what they were in. But what you're looking at now in this text you're looking at a group of people, people of God who were raised, if you please, in church. They were raised following a man of God. They were raised knowing what was truth and what was not. And Joshua is still having to challenge them and question them and ask them, you need to make a choice. Who are you going to serve this day? Can I tell you, it does not matter whether you're first generation or third or fourth generation on a pew this morning. You still have to make a choice in your mind who you're going to serve. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm outgunned this morning. I don't know. Is that, is that you, sister? That's you that was preaching. My Lord. Between her and Bishop, I might as well go home. I'm going to have to pull my socks up and preach a little bit. Is that all right? We know that he gives them a few little options. And I, 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 I don't want to belabor a point. I just want you to get this. He tells them they can go back to the past. They can go explore something new. Or they can stay with what's brought them this far. And I, I want to tell you, Rock Church, you've come this far the last seven, eight years. Why in the world would you want to explore something different? Can I just remind somebody that you have the best way? Hey, there's no other place in Fort Myers I'd rather be than the Rock Church. There's no other place I'd rather be on a Sunday morning than sitting on a pew listening to my bishop preach. We know, you can be seated, that, that there's a few things that happen here. That Joshua asked them who they're going to serve, what kind of choice they're going to make, who is on the Lord's side. And you know what we find? The people, they open up their voice and they answer. Can I tell you something this morning? All I'm doing right now is a little bit of exhortation. But when you get to responding back to me, 
when the pulpit and the pew, they get a dialogue going. It steps and it elevates beyond exhortation and it gets to preaching. And when you'll preach with your preacher, when you'll preach with this pulpit, things will begin to happen that could not happen if you sit there with your arms folded. Somebody said, well, I, I don't believe that. Well, let, let, let me remind you what Paul was writing in Corinthians. He said that we're all living epistles, seen and read of all men. Hey, let me remind somebody in this room this morning, you're not just a number. You're not just an offering giver. You're not just a statistic sitting on the pew. But Paul was right in that to let us know, hey, the church of the living God is important, but more than it's important, it is vital. Preaching's not preaching if there's not a saint on the pew that'll lift up their voice and will respond to the man of God. I wrote it down. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others, you can be seated. Epistles of commendation to you are letters of commendation from you. Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. You know something about the heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And you know what you find the good people of God doing in Joshua? They are answering the man of God, saying, man of God, you don't have to worry about whose side we're going to be on. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen when you're gone. We're going to serve the Lord. God forbid that we forget what is done for us. God forbid that we forget how it drove the enemies out of the land. God forbid that we forget how he saved us from the curses of our fathers, how he brought us out of Egypt and brought us into this promised land. Hey, I feel a mandate from heaven to preach to you this morning. Who side is this church on this morning? Have you made a choice on a Sunday morning of whom you're going to serve? I want to remind you that bitter and sweet water, it cannot come out of the same well. You can't come to church talking in tongues and go carouse around on Monday. There's choices. There's lines that got to be drawn in the sand. There's things you got to decide in your mind this morning. There's things that's got to shift in your spirit that says, I don't care what comes against me. I don't care if the air condition goes out. I don't care if everybody forgets me and leaves me. I know that the righteous, they're never going to be forsaken. Their seed, it's never going to beg for bread. There's a reason this morning that I'm going to make my choice because I remember what it brought me out of. I remember when I wasn't anything and I was going nowhere. I remember how it died on a cross for me. I remember how it saved my family. 
I wish I had a few this morning that you'd remember what God did for you. All of Joshua, him charging and asking a question, would not have had power if the people of God wouldn't have answered and said, we will serve the Lord. Can I tell you a little secret this morning? You want to know how to unlock the power out of your man of God? You want to know how to unlock the power out of the pulpit? When it gets in the pulpit, make sure you lift your voice and say amen when he's preaching and you believe it. I got some of you this morning. Here's what we're going to do. You going to help me? I'm going to help you get to KFC quick. I don't know what, y'all have KFC? Taco Bell, whatever you got. If I say something true, I want you to jump up and put your hands together. If I say something you believe, I want you to hop up and shout amen. There's one Lord. I want to give you some Bible for it. Psalms 106, 48, the writer in that psalm said this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting and let all the people say amen. Praise ye the Lord. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, he's been good to me. I want to tell you a little bit. You can be seated. I'm going to hurry. The Bible tells us there's some things when you're delineating and deciding what you're going to do. You can't just hop in it out of emotion. There's got to be some thought process. You, you, got, you got to make a conscious choice. See, I, I believe that we're all free moral beings in other words the reason that God glories in your praise so much in your response is because he knows you don't have to do it but when you got dressed up on Sunday morning and you got up here and you took the faith to step out of your pew and you got to stomp in your foot you know why he inhabits that because he knows you didn't have to, but you remember what it got you out of, and you know that you owe him your best praise. I'm getting some of you with me this morning. Hey, when they answered and said, man of God, we're on the Lord's side, I want to tell you there was a shifting in that camp that day. There was something that began to move in that camp that day because God recognized when people who did not have to but said, you've been so good, how can we not? Turn and tell somebody, darkness has no fellowship with light. The writer tells us that you, you, you can't serve two masters. You can be seated this morning because you're going to love the one and hate the other. You can't serve God in this world. You can't, you can't play and ride on the fence. 
You can't just say, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out on Tuesday night and let Bishop fight it by himself, but I'm going to be there Sunday night because that's where the party's at. You can't go to the club Monday morning and come up here and dance Sunday night. Well, I'm losing some of you. Light has no fellowship with darkness. In other words, you can't even be lukewarm. Get into Revelation 3 where the writer was writing to the Laodicean church and it, and it said, you, 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 you're lukewarm and that makes me want to spew you out of my mouth. I'd rather you be hot or you be cold. I'd rather you be children of the light or children of the darkness. What am I telling you this morning? I understand uh, there's a transition from the world to the church. Uh, I understand there's a learning curve. Uh, I understand that your bishop and first lady is going to disciple you in if you're new here. But I want to encourage you in the Holy Ghost. Uh, there is power that you're never going to get uh, as long as you're straddling the line uh, between light uh, and darkness. Uh, you know what Joshua was trying to do? He wasn't just trying to convince them that it was the best way. Mm -mm. But once they answered in Sechem, the little village town they was at, the Bible tells us this, and the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. And Joshua wrote the words in the book of the law of God. And this is what I love. This is what I love. He sets it up under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us. For it hath heard the words of the Lord which he spake unto us, and it shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. And I love verse 28. Once he had given them the charge, they had answered correctly. You see, in the answering, we can miss this, but about four verses earlier, they said, we're going to serve God. And he said, nay, you're not going to serve the Lord. And they said, oh, but we will. And he said, well, if you're going to serve the Lord, you got to get rid of all your false gods. We can't miss that. And what we realize is Joshua wanted them to know there's more to it than just lip service and hand clapping. But in your heart, there's got to be something that makes a choice that says, you know what? I'm not just going to come on Sunday mornings because I have nothing else to do. I'm getting in. I love the sister this morning. I, I'm not, I'm not going to get down about what's not going right. I know that he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I know that if you give, it shall, that's a covenant, shall be given back unto me, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And so if I know these things, if I know these things, Joshua knew that when he was gone, there's still going to be a church. Joshua knew that no matter what come, there's still going to be a church. But here's the real part that I want to point out to you this morning. 
Verse 28. So Joshua let the people depart. What did they depart to? Anybody Bible scholars? Every man unto his inheritance. Y'all with me this morning? He did not release them. You, you, you know that river that was flowing with milk and honey? You know, you know the cities that they didn't have to build? You know them big old grapes? All the good that was in that promised land? We're talking about right there. That's when they got released to it. But it took them making a choice and answering correctly. It took them getting rid of some of the old gods and the false gods. And when they'd done it all, it still wasn't enough. He said, we're going to set it in stone so that we can remember it. Hey, there's sometimes, church, that you need to come back to the house of God and you need to hear Acts 2.38 again so you remember what got you out in the first place. There's sometimes you need to remember what God brought you from. There's sometimes you need Bishop to look at you and say, now, I remember your story. Well, Bishop, you just reminded me of my past. Sometimes we need it because we need to remember how good God's been to us. The Bible tells us that when they'd done all that, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. I've been 20 minutes, my goodness. When they'd done all that, then he said, you can leave, and he released them, and they were able to go and get their inheritance. Now, I've got, a, I've got something for you this morning. I feel mandated to preach this. Your, your bishop talking about, about, about the blessings of the Lord overtaking you, this sister talking about this. I want you to get something this morning. As long as you're riding the fence between light and darkness, there's always going to be some gray areas in your pocketbook. There's always going to be some gray areas in your finances. There's always going to be some gray areas in your faithfulness and commitment. You can't serve the two masters. Joshua said, you know, you got to choose, but I'm not going to release you to that inheritance until I know what decision you've made. Hey, this is the year of the open door. You've only got about four more months until the year's over with. I don't know who I'm talking to, but there's a few hundred of you. You're listening to me right now. You know who opens them? God. You know who shuts them? God. There's a little parable about some virgins with some lamps. Come on, I'm way off my whatever little notes I had. I'm just obeying the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says there was a few of them was foolish. And the Bible tells us that while they went, because they realized this wasn't that, they realized Bishop wasn't just talking. They realized he wasn't just trying to hype you up. But they realized, wait a minute, God's really ready to do something. And the Bible says they went to get some oil. And the next verse says, but the door shut. And when they came back, they was knocking. But 
but the door wouldn't open up for them. You know why? Because they wasted the time that the door was open. They didn't take advantage of what they knew to do. Now, there's nobody here that believes they didn't know they needed some oil. But they was having too much fun being dark and walking out in somebody else's light. They was having too much fun uh, serving the other gods of the world. Church, let me tell you something. I I'm just going to do like I do at home. Hey, let me tell you something. Sports world, that's all good. But it can't be your focus over the house of God. You can't, you can't duck out on Super Bowl Sunday to see whether or not Tom Brady and the Bucks are going to win another one. You got to come to the house of God because darkness, it can't fellowship with light. There's a principle here, and I'm belaboring this a little bit, but there's a principle here. Joshua, God, using Joshua, you, you, we preached this Tuesday night, He's God's messenger. Joshua was just a messenger for the man with a plan. God was releasing them to their inheritance. He was just using Joshua's voice to do it. Church, can I tell you, your response, it matters. It matters whether or not you're going to walk through that door in 2022 or not. It matters. Your choice matters. I want to know this morning. I want to know. What kind of choice you going to make? Rock Church, you on the Lord's side this morning? Hey. I'm not, I don't care about tattoos. Half our church has got tattoos on them. I don't care about ear piercings. We pray them through all the time. Got earrings in their ears. Hey, I don't care if their hair's trimmed. We've got them all over the church. God prayed them throughout the world. And the hairs don't look like yours does with those dead ends on it. Can I tell you something? I want to tell you something. God's no respect to a person's. He don't care how much money you got in your pocketbook. He don't care if you got tattoo sleeves up one arm and back down the other. He's just looking for some people make a choice on a Sunday morning and say, you know what? The darkness ain't getting me anywhere. I'm going to see what the light will do. Bible tells us, I believe in response. You can be seated. I believe in response. I believe that if they would not have answered their man of God correctly, that they would have never inherited the promises that God had given them. We like to preach about, oh, if you've got a promise, write it down. It's going to come to pass. And I believe that. But the problem is you've got to answer right so you can get in a covenant with God. That's what you see going on. They answered right. They got rid of the old gods. They got rid of the old things they used to serve. And Joshua said, okay, we're going to get in a covenant. We're going to set it in stone. 
and then you're going to receive what God's promised you. We don't, we don't serve a, a wishy-washy God. He's not a contractual God. He's a covenant God. When he makes a covenant with you, it's from everlasting to everlasting. It's forevermore. Let me explain to you how it works. The first generation wasn't willing to do what it took. It took a second generation, God raising them up in the wilderness. It took a second generation that was willing to do what God needed them to do. Now, I, I want to challenge you. God's a gentleman this morning. He ain't going to make you do anything. But the flip side of that is, there's consequences if you decide not to do anything. You can't just come to church and kick your feet up on the pew and lean back and, and then leave and get bitter because God ain't moving for you. God don't make little handshake deals that we can kind of wiggle out of. God's a covenant God. Let, can I take you back to Calvary just a minute? Talking about choices this morning. Can I take you back to Calvary? He lived a spotless life. He was tempted in all points like a man. But he knew no sin. He came and walked this earth, robed himself in flesh, and he did it for one purpose. Seeking to save that which is lost. He did it for you and I, my friend. Now, we know that they persecuted him. They'd done him wrong. They tried him unjustly. We hear it every Easter. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. They stabbed him in the side. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They embarrassed, they embarrassed him. They shamed him. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. We know that he could have called legions of angels down. But he was willing to suffer for you and I. I'm talking about his side of the covenant here. He was willing to go through it so that you and I could sit in the air-conditioned church. All pretty and taking for granted what God did for you and me. Hey, there's some of us, we should be in an early grave. We should be dead. We should be on a bar stool right now. We should be in a broken home right now. But God loved us enough to die for our sins. Hey, we can't afford to take for granted what God has done for us. They pulled him off that cross. They put him in a borrowed tomb. And it wasn't but just how many days later? Oh, y'all got to help me now. Three days later that the stone was rolled away. And we found him walking up a hill. And he's got the keys to death, hell, and the grave in his hand. There's his disciples was waiting on him. And he walks up to him. 
and it tells them, boys, I've done all I can do here. I'm going to send up into the heavenlies. And you're going to be endued with power from on high. I'm tying it into us. All you've got to do is make a choice. I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to let a preacher baptize me in the only saving name, which is Jesus. Can I tell you why you need to be baptized in that name? I'll tell you why. Because that's not some title. That's not a man's name. That's the name of the Christ. That's the name of the one who died for your and our sins. That's the name of the one who has all power in heaven and earth. Hey, he's El Shaddai. He's Elohim. He's Adonai. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the king of kings. He's the eternal God. He's the prince of peace. He's the lily of the valley. He's the lamb, the lion, and the king, the one who died and arose again. He's my redeemer. Hey, those are all titles that describe what he is to us. But when we get baptized, it's in the name. He said, boys, you're going to receive power, but you've got to repent of your sins. You've got to be baptized in my name. And when you do that, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you get that Holy Ghost on the inside of you, I wish I had some to have the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, you got to make another choice. The first choice was repentance, but the second choice, the first one got you in the covenant, but the second one keeps you in it. What is that choice? It is to live a holy and overcoming life in this present world. You live submitted to your man of God. You live submitted to the voice of the mighty God. And when you do all these things, he said, here's what I'm going to do for you. Are you with me on the covenant this morning? A covenant requires a choice, but when you make the choice and you enter in the covenant, he begins to give you what your inheritance is. He begins to give you what he promised you. Hey, I hate to tell you this morning, but you're not Jews, you're Gentiles. In other words, we're grafted into the vine. We've been adopted in to the lineage of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you what your side of the inheritance is this morning? If you'll make a choice to serve the Lord, let me tell you what's going to happen. First of all, you're going to receive power from on high. That's not just going to be power to lift your voice or clap your hands, but it's going to be a power that is great enough to tread over scorpions, to tread on all the power of the 
enemy. It's going to be a power that will let you talk right. It will be a power that makes you walk right. It will be a power that will make you clap your hands and shout amen. If I had an organ, I'd get done faster. Come on, organ, help me. I'm almost done. You're going to receive power. That's part of our inheritance. But you're going to get more than that. The Bible says you're going to be witnesses unto all men for his name's sake. Now, I want to ask you something. I'm from Kansas. I'm, 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 boy, I'm a hillbilly. I'm embarrassed to be up here. Your man of God is so much greater than me. I'm a, just a Kansas redneck. Really. I drive tractors and stuff for a living. Cows. Cowboy boots, overalls. Yeehaw! I've got no shame wearing my cowboy hat and driving my old pickup truck. But I want you to think about something. We're going to be witnesses to all men for his namesake. I want you to ponder with me. Now, this is just Hunter 101. You can find it right after Revelations. Okay? That's why I tell my folks to read it. I'm kidding. But this world don't want more of what they got. Wait a minute. Let me break this down more for you. They can't afford to pay their bills. Why would they come to a church can't afford to pay its bills. They can't keep their kids out of correctional facilities. Why are they going to come to a church that can't do that either? Seeking to save that which is lost, not that which has found its way. That lost is indicative that they're in darkness and they have no direction. That every door's closed, that the only thing they can do is die or find God. Because they've got to get light on the inside of them. I want you to ponder this, church. There's, there, there's a big step up that, that you don't realize you're about to take. They, sister, they, they, they don't want to come if. You're just, your family's as dysfunctional as theirs is. They're coming to see something better. They're coming to the people that have found the way. Not the people that are still struggling. Now, the Holy Ghost don't exempt us from life. We're all in dry seasons and rainy seasons. But here's what you do have. When the money ain't hitting right, when the kids ain't listening, you have that power on the inside of you that allows you to overcome it. So I, I want to encourage you. Maybe it's a little even, maybe it's even a little prophetic this morning. That this world is looking for something better. And you because you got in a covenant with Jesus Christ are a witness to that world. 
Can I tell you what I believe in? Ain't the will of God for you to have to struggle with money. Y'all quiet? It ain't the will of God for your kids to be hellions. It's not the will of God for your marriage to fall apart. That's how come you can't be in light and fellowship darkness. I'm telling you, there's choices this morning. If we'll make a choice right here, whatever a bishop says, if he says, run, I'm going to run. The ball's on the way. Whatever he says, that's what we're going to do. Sister, you know, if you'll give, the windows of heaven will open up. That's part of that covenant. If we'll do what we know to do, that nothing is too hard for our car. Hold on. You, you, you. I lost you. I lost you. My Lord, I've been 40 minutes. I got three more minutes? I ain't even closed once yet. Listen to me. Listen to me. How many has been here less than a year? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah, that's what I like to see. Okay, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. You're looking at us thinking, man, what, what a bunch of crazies. What in the world? No, 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 no. We just found a covenant that was better than what hell was trying to sign us up for. That's all. And here's what we found. When we got in, we heard hope, peace, joy. Finance is getting better. But when we got in, we fell in love with who he is, not what he could do for us. But if you're new, if you're new, maybe I'm preaching a little bit to you this morning. Let me preach to you if you're here a year or less. I want to challenge you in the Holy Ghost. Make a choice to give God 30 days. Turn and tell somebody 30 days. I want you to give God 30 days where you do and you answer well. When you see Bishop out shopping, I want you dressed like he's dressed when he's out. His beach clothes, I want you to have beach clothes like his beach clothes. First lady, I don't know where you went this morning, but I want you to look like first lady does. I'm not, I'm not asking for a year commitment. I'm saying you give God 30 days. You go home this morning. Leave your other stuff in the closet. That's fine. But you go home this morning and say, God, I'm going to make a choice. The next 30 days, we're going to serve God. I want you to clean up 30 days and see if by the end of it, you're not ready to go ahead and give him the next 30 years. Do I have any one year or le- new converts? New converts? Would you give God 30 days and see what he'll unfold in your life? Because here's what I find. If they wouldn't have never made that choice, they wouldn't have answered correctly, Bishop. I don't believe God would ever release that inheritance to them. How many of us in this room, Bishop preaches voice out every service, talking to you about that door that's open. And he's just trying to get you to connect the dots that before God can release him, 
to release you to it. You've got to answer correctly. People of God, who you going to serve? We're going to serve the Lord, Joshua. No, you're not. Get in, that's what he said. He said, nay, you're not going to serve the Lord. And they said, God forbid you say that. We're going to serve the Lord. He said, well, fine. If you're going to do it, then you got to get rid of the old gods. you got to get rid of the old things. And they said, you know what? We remember the reason we came here in the first place. We'll do it. And he gets that covenant and writes that in that stone, makes a covenant. And there's an inheritance on the way. Can I tell you a little story and I'm done? I'm going to preface it by saying this. They're there. They're there at Seachum, this little area that they're at. And I want you to note something. If you'll go back just a few verses to the very first part of that chapter, the Bible says that Joshua summoned all the people to Seachum. Can I tell you this morning, before I tell you this little story, just you being here, it's not enough. Can I go further? He summoned them and they showed up. Look at this crowd this morning. Thank God for it. They showed up. But then he goes further and he gives them that little charge. Serve the Lord. Don't you give up now. But it still wasn't enough. He puts an and. He says, but, and, if it don't seem good to you, then before this old man goes the way of the grave, I want to know you made a choice. Why? Because he couldn't release their inheritance until they'd done so. Can I tell you something? Rock Church, just being at Seachum, being at church today is not enough. Just hearing the preaching is not enough. There's got to be an answer. I got one more story for you. Are y'all going to help bail me out of this? You, you better. I got a lady in our church. Name is Margaret, Margaret Jean. She's the founding mother of that church. For three years, their pastor, the pastor of that church was dead before my father, my bishop, got there. She held it together for three years, preached, sung. I know everybody don't like them women preachers, but they're missing the will of God. That's Hunter 101. She did a lot better than me this morning. I'm kind of embarrassed. Here's what happened. Margaret Jean, she'd been there for all her life. Grew up in it. 70, I think 60 plus years she's had the Holy Ghost. 55 or 60 she sat right there at First Pentecostal Church. Three years without a man of God. She held it together. Went from 60 down to 11. And she just held it. Did all she knew to do. And she's not a confrontational lady. She's the sweetest old flannel graph Sunday school teacher you've ever seen. And she would, she'd sit up flannel graphs in that church and teach them flannel graphs. And you think, oh, that's silly. That's all Sister Margaret knew how to do. So she just did what she could. And if you look through their life, they've never been abundantly blessed, all this faithfulness. He served in Vietnam, lived for God all his life. His daddy was the founding pastor, Brother, Brother Trevor. 
All his life they've served God. And now they're getting down 70 plus years old. Knees don't work, hips, the eyesight, hearing aids come in on walkers. And when I tell you, she's going to be listening and she's going to get on me when I get home. Every 30, 45 days she comes and tells me, Pastor, we need a financial miracle. And I go to her husband's, Brother Ricky, what's going on? What's wrong? And he always holds his fist up like this and says, he said, Pastor, he said, I ain't worried about it. God's faithful. Every, every, anytime he's sick, this, that. Never counseled him. Never seen my father counseling. I've seen my father line him out before. And this is what I've seen him do. Bishop, God's faithful. I'll be right here. That's all you ever hear out of Brother Ricky. In church, you're preaching good. Raise a fist. Sit there and cry. This is a man went through Vietnam. Sit there and just cry, love God. And you look at what they've got and you think, man, what happened? Until you realize that they weren't serving him for all that no ways. They fell in love with God when they made a choice way back many years ago. And this is where I'm getting to with this story. About three months ago, man, you could tell she was just in pain and she's sick and she's older. And we had a good old Holy Ghost shout out. We like to dance like y'all. And we was shouting and running. And I went around the back of the church. I was heading to the foyer. I just so happened to catch some young people sliding out on me. And I was going to catch them, Brother Trevor. And when I got right to the foyer doors, right by the mezzanine, I seen her hand reach up and grab my arm. And she's crying and bent over and holding onto a chair. And she says, Pastor, she said, for the last few years, my hips and knees have stopped me. She said, I can't get up there and do what I, she said, I used to be the biggest shouter in this church. We're talking to the lady that, we, I wouldn't be pastoring if she hadn't have been there. The lady that held it together. She said, I used to be, she said, I can't even get on my knees and pray anymore. My health has robbed me. And I was about ready to cry with her because I'm thinking, man, this is so sad. And she looked at me and she wiped her tear with her crooked finger. And I, I seen something get in her eyes. And she got a determination there, a fire. You could just see her eyes glint. And she said, but pastor, she said, this, she said, this is the last Sunday night that the devil is going to take away my praise. She looked at me. She said, Pastor, she said, I want you to know Margaret Jean is still going to serve the Lord. And I thought she was done. Bishop, I thought, man, that, that is so good. Man, that's an affirming action. But her hand went from my elbow where she was holding me and went down, or down to my hand and got my hand. And she said, Pastor, she said, I can't do what I used to do, but if you'll hold me up from this service out, she said, Margaret Jean's going to give God at least two steps. And I remember she looked at me 
And she said, Pastor, I want the devil to know. I want hell to know. I'm not wavering just because my hips don't work. She, she told me. She, she, I'll tell you, boy, she straightened me out in that foyer back there. She said, from this service on, all Margaret Jean may be able to do is two steps. She said, but when you look back and see me, you know that I'm making my choice. I will serve the Lord. I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to step out of your pew, no matter what age, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, no matter what religious background you were raised in. We can't all give of everything we've got. We can't all, we don't all have money to give. We don't all have things that we can offer. A lot of us, our health is fighting us and our knees and we got headaches. But can I challenge you this morning? Can we give God two steps? Can you join with somebody? Can we close our eyes? Hey, I believe the Holy Ghost is looking for a choice to be made this morning. Would you answer well? Would you answer with, God, I don't have much. But if all I've got is two steps, you just know I'm going to serve you well. God, I, I don't have all the money in the world. I can't pay the church light bill. But God, I've got my health, my energy. I've got my life to give to you. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. Come on, side to side. Would you close your eyes? Come on, I've tried to be short this morning. You're connected to somebody. Would you pray for them? Oh, come on, Rock Church. You don't have to give him something big and fancy. He just needs a little two-step offering from you. God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to make my calling clear, my choice clear this morning. I'll be here tonight. I'll be here Tuesday. God, I'm going to give you 30 days. I'm going to be on the Lord's side. Come on, that's it. Would you pray? Would you talk to the king? Just a little bit of what you have. Give him just a little bit. 
see what God will do this morning. Come on, would you give him your best right now? Yeah. Come on, that's it. That's it. Oh, I'm praying for my friends right now. I'm travailing for my family right now. I've decided I'm 